Did you shovel this morning? You don't have to. Because, you know, it it will melt. Eventually, right? I've got a question about shoveling in just a moment. But first, lots of things happening today. The Grammy nominations came out. We're going to talk with music commentator Eric Alper. Not really going to get to learn all of who these people are, but there are some interesting things that have happened with this year's Grammy nominations. If you think back to last year, one of the things that was brought up, and I don't know whether this is the Me Too movement, I'm not sure, one of the things that was brought up was the lack of female artists in some of the top categories. So you're looking for album of the year, song of the year, record of the year. What's the difference between record of the year and album of the year? I don't know. But there was a lack. This year, we'll find out whether or not that's changed because there was some encouragement to maybe make changes. So Eric Alper will talk to us about that. We'll take a look at a couple of major exceptions, people that have been kind of left off the docket that you wouldn't expect to be off the docket. He will talk to us about that. Gift giving, it's being made easy. Did we talk earlier this week about what our kids keep doing? Hey, here comes a text, and it says, Yeah, uh, if you're thinking of getting me something, I just ordered something online. I'll just give that to you. You can wrap it, or I'll just wrap it, and we'll put it in. They're acting like parents. Do you need the surprise? You saw the story about the guy in Edmonton. I'm trying to even think of when this came about, but his girlfriend had broken up with him. In 1971. But here's how she did it. It was right around the holidays. I don't know, right around now, let's say. It was 1971. Who can say for sure? She walks up to him, and she gives him a wrapped package. And then she says, by the way, we're done. I don't know if those were the words that she used. It's 1971. Who can say for sure? He's devastated. He goes home, and he's got this wrapped Christmas present. And he doesn't want to open it. He's a teenager. So he vows at that point never to open it. And he goes and he sticks it under the tree. And this guy, I don't know if this is healthy or not, has carted around this present until I think it's last Christmas did he open it up. I'm pretty sure it was last Christmas he decided that he and his new family, he did go on to get married and have a family. By all accounts, he's had a really nice life. But he decided to open the gift. And they did it on stage and they played it up. And it ended up being a book. And it was a book that was called Love Is New Ways to Spot That Certain Feeling. And there were lots of little sayings about love. Lots of little sayings about cartoons. Well, this thing kind of took off, as you might imagine. A story like this would. So, right afterward, this person reached out to him, and then somebody else said, hey, you should see this. And next thing you know, he gets connected with this girl. And she's got a family. And he and his wife go and meet up with her. And just showing how serious this relationship must have been, the reason that his girlfriend broke up with him was she was, I don't know, outside. It was 1971. Who's to say for sure? When she bumped into a guy and he kissed her on the spot and she kissed back and felt, well, this is over. And so 
she takes the gift to him and breaks up with him on the spot. That's what ended the relationship. Very serious relationship, obviously. And so he got the answer. He's got the book. And now we've all got a crazy story. Anybody else carting around a Christmas gift that you haven't opened for similar reasons since 1971? Maybe 76? Hey, maybe you've got them beat. Maybe it was the 60s. I'm not going to open this gift. It's impossible. How could you possibly carry that around for that long? We moved across the country a couple of times. The only thing that kept coming with us through all of our moves was a can of Manwich. And eventually, we just kept moving it. And and it was in the house that we live in now. And my wife eventually went to the pantry one day and said, Are we ever going to use this? I said, We've been moving that around for 20 years. I'm not eating that. We couldn't donate it, so we didn't end up just throwing it away. I didn't even want to open it. How long does Manwich last? Even canned Manwich. Do they even still make it? But to carry around a wrapped gift, no way. That gets, you know, bumped. When the guy in the red suit's putting stuff under the tree, he's in a hurry. He could knock the corner off. Eventually, you're going to realize, oh, it's a book. Dad, will you just open this stupid thing so we can stop wallowing? And this was the solution? This was the end result? I broke up with you because a guy kissed me on the spot, and I kissed back. End of relationship. What were you, 14? So, there's that. So, in the world of gift-giving, it's become a very strange place. That's maybe the strangest story in a long time. But there are gift generators online that exist. And on the show today, at some point, maybe just in a couple of minutes, what we're going to do is check out a couple of gift generators. Try them out, just to see if they work. There's one that I really like. It's called Crapomatic. And apparently it just gives crappy gifts. What are crappy gifts? I can't wait to find out. So we'll test some of those out on London Live today. We are also going to be a little bit serious because we are going to talk about taking away citizenship. Is that something that should be done? We've got a lot of interesting things coming at us. And I'm going to look at this in two ways. We're going to look at taking away birthright citizenship, which is something that is being threatened in the United States a lot. Could it even be done in Canada? Nobody here is threatening it, so that's good. But in the United States, certainly, that's one of those things that's on the table. Taking away birthright citizenship. What does that even mean? So we'll explore it. And then I want to go to something that was uttered this week about climate change. And it was talked about in the way that, you know, if you live, it was an American doing it, so they gave the example of if you live in the northeastern part of the United States, hey, you don't really have to worry about climate change that much because, you know, you're not going to see your city sink into the ocean or the ocean rise. I shouldn't say that. It's not sinking. The ocean rise enough that your city is flooded. You're not going to see real issues in temperature, even, you know, even though you might get the odd nastier storm. It may be warmer, the swings may be more hot and cold, but overall, you're not going to be in an uninhabitable place. But here's what they did say, and I found this really interesting, and it's something that maybe we've, we've got to start batting around a little bit more than we have been. If, in fact, we are on a course to see the Earth's temperature rise one and a half degrees, or whatever the scientists do say, we're on the rise— And if it does have the catastrophic effects that scientists have predicted, 
And we don't have too many scientists coming out saying, oh, yeah, yeah, uh, I got something. And it's nothing about what these guys are talking about. The people who tend to deny the idea that we've got a warming of our global temperature tend to be the politicians whose policies wouldn't work in a world where we had temperature rises. Um, that's that's kind of who comes out against it. So here's the issue to really think about before we get to that topic on London Live today. If you have parts of the earth that are uninhabitable, you have people living in them right now. And those people are not just going to sit there and say, well, can't live here anymore. And then they poof, disappear. They're going to get the heck out of Dodge. And they're going to start coming to places where it is much more habitable. And a lot of those places could be where we live right now. So how do we deal with a massive influx over time, but at the same time, a massive influx? Nobody's prepared for that. Nobody's even talking about that just yet. So we'll talk a little bit more about that in just a little while. But I have a very simple question as we begin London Live today. As it snowed this morning... As I got up and the snow kind of stopped, I went into the garage and I thought, you know what, I'm going to shovel. I'm just going to shovel off the front walkway. People have to come and go a little bit this morning, and then I wound up doing the driveway. But as I was doing that, I realized our shovel is in nasty shape. It was one of those ergonomically designed shovels with the, the bend in it, but it's all plastic. And over time and the chipping of ice and the harsh Canadian winters that we live through every year, this thing has basically stopped being a shovel and has become kind of two prongs. So there's not much shovel part left in the middle. So you can push things because the back of the shovel is there, but to actually try and lift snow and chuck it, it just falls through the middle. The snow doesn't get moved. It, it's a mess. So I don't want to push her this winter. I need a new shovel. And we tried to buy a new shovel last year only to buy one on sale. I don't even remember where, so I can't really knock where it was. And the first time I used it, the handle fell off. So I actually took a picture of this, sent it to the manufacturer, and they sent back a very nice email that said, there is nothing we can do for you. Really? I sent this to you saying, you make a terrible product, and you send back, there is nothing we can do for you. So obviously, you know, I'm out whatever I spent. What is a good shovel? I need to know. And where can I get such thing? Is there a shovel store somewhere where I can help out someone who specializes in snow shovels? I would love to go there. I'd love to go, I, I don't know about you, I love to go places where you have people who are absolutely completely engulfed in what they sell and they know everything about it we get stuck going to big box stores where you can hardly find somebody because they all hide in the back and we miss people who have a passion for what they are selling is there somebody like that in this area who deals with snow shovels could you help me out you can always call us, 519-643-2222. That's 519-643-2222. You can email mike at 980cfpl.ca. You can tweet me at stubs980. So we'll check out some of these gift generators. If you do have any ideas on snow shovels, please, I need to know. I need a new one. This is London Live. It is Friday, and you're listening to Global News Radio 980-CFPL. We're going to try out in just a minute or two a couple of gift generators. 
because these things actually do exist. I need some help, though. We've worn out our snow shovel. Any idea where we can find a new snow shovel that's good? I bought one last year. The handle fell off. And the company did not care. Thank you for purchasing our product. Thank you for adding to our millions. See you later. 519-643-2222. Email Mike at 980cfpl.ca. You can tweet me at Stubbs980. Harold, can you help me out? Yes, Mike. Buy a snow shovel that's 18 inches wide, and it's got the ribs that go straight up and down like not crossways. There's some going at a 45-degree angle. Okay, 18 inches wide. I want ribs up and down. I love that you're giving me this, this straight description. Straight up and down, the, the ribs that are supporting the plastic-like. Mm-hmm. And, uh, oh, maybe, I don't know, a little bit longer handle than a than a work shovel, you know, like... And I've got one of these. I've had it for five years, and I can sling uh, snow like 10 feet away from me when I make the scoop. This is fantastic. Nice and light, but make sure the ribs are straight up and down instead of on an angle. Now, is there metal on the the bottom? Because that's the problem with this snow shovel. No, no, no. Don't go over the metal. You're always catching stones or something on there. Like if there's anything hard, you're always catching it. And it rusts in the garage. I don't yep. like that either. No, no, you don't need a plastic. The plastic will wear you out before you wear the plastic <laughs> out. <laughs> Harold, thank you very much for that. You're welcome, Mike. Merry Have, Christmas. Merry Christmas. Have a great day. 18 inches wide, ribs straight up and down. Don't go with the sideways stuff. No metal on it, Harold says. Okay, I need a good snow shovel. We've worn ours. I didn't think that was possible. Remember on Newhart when George wore out the hammer? Marilyn, how are you doing today? Well, I'll tell you something right now. <clears throat> I don't know whether you go out to Warren Cliff South much, but uh, beside Tupperman's, or right uh, near Tupperman's on the same side of the road, is a home hardware, and they've got lots of people in there that will help you. Well, That's I go there sometimes, so I'm going there soon. Well, I'll tell you. I go there all the time. I love I love the people in there. They are so cheerful and so helpful, and they've really got nice gifts, too, something you could give your wife. But I'll tell you something. Why don't you get Jack out there and get him, since he <laughs> sleeps on uh, my pillow and gets a good night's rest and cleans out your garage, get him out shoveling the Oh, don't snow. worry. He does, yeah, he does the shoveling, too, so... But Have you got a dog? No dog. No, oh. Marilyn, I've been fighting a dog for years. Oh, you want a dog? No, I'm the one that doesn't want the dog. Oh, you're missing something. I was over to I'm my missing garage. not having to go outside when it's really cold and rainy and walk well, my I'll dog. I'll tell you something. Our little, uh, well, I'll call it my dog, too. It's a darling, it's cutest dog. I just love it to pieces. What do you do when it, it has wet, muddy feet and it runs in the house? Well, I'll tell you, it, it, um, they've got a bell, a string of bells by the sliding door that goes out to their backyard, to their deck and so forth. And that dog jingles those bells. He'll pull that, that uh, rope of bells when he wants to go out and do what he does. And he, his name is Oliver, and we call him Ollie. And you know something about my daughter? She came in second in a agricultural fair for her, the best tasting honey. She came in second. She's got beehives. Outstanding. And uh, we're going to call the honey when it's manufactured Ollie Dale. Dale for the, our last name and Ollie for the dog. And we're going to have a picture of the dog 
teeth on the label. Can we have a, a honey sampling on London Live when that happens? Can we oh, taste some I'll, honey? I'll certainly, when it happens. I don't know how this girl does it. She teaches at Sanchez College out, uh, Mondays, and the rest of the week she works at Oxford Dodge. And All right. She's and then she drives the boy. He's on the Lambeth Lancers. She drives him to hockey games and drives the girl up to Chatelaine Stables to uh, horseback riding lessons. Sounds like you have a fantastic daughter. Marilyn, thank you so much for all of this, but I, you haven't convinced me. I'm, I'm still not getting a dog. Oh, you'll, when your children have gone or married and gone, you're going to, you know, you've got your wife, of course. My wife wants the dog. She wants me to get her a dog. Well, I'm for your wife, then. Come on now. You look like a man who would enjoy a dog. Marilyn, my wife just texted me saying, I love Marilyn. I want a dog just like her daughter's. Oh, this dog, it's it's part corgi and something else. But I just love that dog. I just kiss its little face. Kiss it right on the mouth. In fact, I'll put a cracker in my mouth. And I'll hold it there, and the dog will take it out. Marilyn, you've left us with a visual that I am happy to have had for the rest of the weekend. Thank you so much oh, for the call. Care. Take care. Bye-bye. Take care. <laughs> I love Marilyn. 519-643-2222, if you can help me out with a snow shovel, because I've worn mine out. Okay, we have time for one more call on this, and then we will move on, because I do want to try out some of these gift generators. I found a bunch of these today that if you don't know what to buy for somebody, you simply enter their specs. So male, age range, you don't really even have to know their likes. You know, are they sporty? Do they seem to watch a lot of TV? You put that in, they'll tell you, hey, here's some ideas for that person. Bob, any idea to help me out with a snow shovel? Yeah, well, Mike, I was wondering how how uh, how much area do you have to shovel? A big area? No, we live on a postage stamp. We live in oh. suburbia. Uh, okay, so you know, just uh, I don't know. As far as the shovels go, you know, you look at them, quality build, metal handle on it. But you know what really helped the shovel I had was uh, you go to Home uh, Hardware, and they have these attachments for a second handle. Yeah, you can put anywhere on the shaft according to the height of your body in that. Right. And you just put, drill one hole in there, or I think two holes, and you put the bolts in. And I'm telling you, it saves your back, and it makes shoveling incredibly a lot more easier. And that was a Canadian manufacturer that came up with that. I think so, yeah. Um, exactly. Now, if you're going to upgrade to a snowblower one day, I, I would ever recommend a Cub Cadet. I, I bought one 10 years ago, and I beat the hell right out of this thing. And the only thing that ever broke was the cable just to engage because I'm pretty hard on these things. Right? <laughs> so that, but you know what? I just beat that thing now. So this winter, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna kick old man winter right in the tenderloins. I bought a uh, uh, a Cub Cadet big lawn tractor, XT2, big, lots of horsepower, and I threw a Burco, made in Quebec, Burco, 44 inch uh, snowblower on the front. And I'm gonna throw snow like about 60 feet. All right, right over my house, probably. So if you're looking for anything like that, those are the makes to get. But, uh, yeah, for the shovel, try that little handle thing on a, on a decent shovel. You'd be good to go. All right, Bob, thanks for the call. All right. Thank you for all of the shovel details today. We are going to talk with Eric Alper in just a couple of minutes, about 10 of them. We'll go through Grammy nominations today, and we'll talk a little bit about whether the Me Too movement has had an impact 
on Grammy nominations? Do we see more females nominated? Because last year there were some complaints and concerns over the fact that there weren't that many females nominated in the big categories. Album of the year, record of the year, song of the year, all the big ones. So we'll chat with Eric Alper about that and we'll check out some gift generators online. This is London Live. It is Friday. Don't forget the Knights take on the Kingston Frontenacs tonight going after their 15th straight win. We'll talk more about that later on the show as well. This is Global News Radio 980 CFPL. In downtown London, we have mostly cloudy skies. It's minus 4 degrees, minus 9 with the wind chill. A joint police effort to investigate human trafficking in southwestern Ontario has netted 25 arrests and helped establish contact with dozens of women potentially involved in the sex trade against their will. Police here in London say the operation, dubbed a Project Circuit, focused on suspected human trafficking activity in London, St. Thomas, Woodstock and Strathroy. Between October 16th and November 23rd, police say they made contact with 56 women in the sex trade ranging in age from 16 to 41. Police say the women were offered gear and contacts to help them leave and say two of the women were able to get out and get help. The 25 men charged in the operation face a total of 26 charges, including 22 counts of obtaining sexual services. Police say one sting ad that ran for six days during Project Circuit received 9,000 views and continues to receive hundreds of responses even after the investigation wrapped up. The trial of two former employees at Elgin Middlesex Detention Center will get underway in the new year as planned. This after their lawyers lost the final legal battle over delays in the case. Lawyers for Leslie Lonsbury and Stephen Jerkis had sought leave at the Supreme Court of Canada to appeal a lower court decision that had ordered the trial to proceed. The pair is charged with failing to provide the necessaries of life in the 2013 murder of Adam Cargas. The charges are believed to be the first in Ontario against correctional officers over their role in protecting inmates. The trial is scheduled to begin in January. A meeting of Canada's first ministers is underway in Montreal, and so far Premier Doug Ford's in attendance. There had been rumblings that Ford may try to disrupt the meeting or even walk out after raising concerns about the agenda. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau initially said the meeting was needed to discuss interprovincial trade barriers, but it has since expanded the, age of the agenda to tackle a host of other concerns from provincial governments. In a preliminary meeting with Trudeau yesterday, Ford listed the carbon tax as his top priority, but said he also wants to talk about aluminum and steel tariffs, Alberta's oil price crisis, illegal border crossers, and the impending closure of GM's plant in Oshawa. The local unemployment rate dipped again last month, but it's not all great news. Stats Canada released the figures today, saying the November jobless rate for London St. Thomas was 4.8%. It was 4.9% in October. Stats Canada reports we also lost 2,900 jobs, and the overall labour force fell by 3,300. You're listening to 980 CFPL. Coming up, we will talk Grammy nominations, but I'm interested to see whether we've seen a rise in the number of female nominations. We'll find that out because that was something that was kind of called for when the Grammys were on last year. Here's uh, a little something. If you happen to see this, probably we will not, but you never know where things are going to pop up. Portland, Oregon. A family in Portland, Oregon, is looking for something that was stolen off their front porch. You might appreciate this if you put holiday decorations out on your front porch. You have any of those plug-in, blow-up things? Any of those? Well, this wasn't plug-in and blow-up. It was a 50-pound nose. 
This family put a nose on the front porch as uh, a decoration, I guess. Is is a nose festive? I don't know. Their dad actually works at a university, and this was part of some display, and he was able to bring it home. Somebody's stolen their nose, 50-pound nose, and someone has wandered away with it. So I don't know how you hide that. I don't know how you resell that. There aren't many of those. It's not like the things that you go and you buy and you've got the blow-up stuff. Everybody's the same. One's a Santa, one's a snowman, one's an owl with a Santa hat. And there's an infinite number of those critter or critters, so you don't know whether it's stolen or not. The nose, yeah, you would know that it was stolen. So if you happen to see that anywhere online and someone's offering it to you for a low, low price... Don't buy it. It's stolen merchandise. Next up, we will talk Grammys. We'll look at the nominations for the next Grammy Awards. They came out today. Some big names have been left off the list, and the question becomes, have we seen more females added to the big category? We'll find that out. This is London Live on Global News Radio, 980 CFPL. There's a news conference just underway at London Police Headquarters, and we'll have more on this. You've been hearing the story on 980 CFPL already today, and it deals with a human trafficking operation. And these are things that we always think, oh, human trafficking, that doesn't happen around here. Yeah, it happens around here. Project Circuit is something that ran from October 16th to November 23rd, focused on human trafficking in London, in Woodstock, in St. Thomas, and Strathroy. And now we have an ad that was that was run by police. Investigators say the ad was viewed more than 9,000 times. And there were text messages coming in from more than 100 people who allegedly wanted to purchase sex. Really? And they were able to make contact with 56 women and girls involved in the sex trade. The girls ranged in age from 16 to 41. They included high school students who were still in high school, uh, post-secondary students still in either college or university. And they were able to help two victims of human trafficking get help and get out. And so they are announcing details of all of that right now. So we'll have that for you on our next newscast, the latest details on that on our next newscast with Jacqueline LaBelle coming up in about 20 minutes. That is absolutely frightening. Absolutely frightening. Eric Alper is a music commentator. And earlier today, the Grammy nominations came out for the next Grammy Awards. And one of the things to look at was how many females had been nominated. Because in a way, that was a criticism of last year, that there were not enough in the key categories. And that that needed to change. Well, let's find out if that has changed. Eric joins us now. Eric, how are you? I'm good. How are you, sir? Great. Grammy nominations are out. I always forget, who decides who gets nominated in this? I do. Uh, No, no, no. Um, It's actually a couple of thousand people who are voting members of the Grammy Awards. It's anybody in the U.S. and uh, some places around the world that have at least a certain amount of credits to their name, like the Oscars. So you could be a producer, you can be an engineer, you can be a songwriter, 
an artwork designer or an artist or even a record label, but you have to have uh, a number of credits. I think the number is like two per year in order to be a member. And of course, as long as you pay your dues on time. Um, so yeah, so it's not a fan vote. It's not cited or lean toward any particular record label. It's actually a good makeup of, of the industry. And it's kind of secret ballot where they send it out and you kind of fill it in. Yeah, it's actually one of those uh, things where everybody gets to submit whatever they want to do, and then uh, there is a number of of category leaders or committee leaders that will decide on the final ten, and then from there, then you get to the the voting for the final five or ten, depending on the category. Okay, we're talking with Eric Alper, music commentator, as we look at Grammy nominations. That's how they come together. Now let's look at this year's and what may be actually lacking. That seems to be some early conversation because there are some pretty popular names that have uh, kind of been omitted from some pretty popular categories. Yeah, the the Grammy Award president last year, Neil Pornor, um, caused a little bit of controversy when he told women to step up if they felt that they were getting snubbed or um, women in general were getting snubbed from the Grammy Awards. And this year, it seems like people were listening because um, when you look at the the, the categories, um, the four major categories of Album of the Year, Song of the Year, uh, record of the Year and Artist of the Year, the women are, are front and center. In fact, female artists are responsible for five and appear on the six of the ten albums for Album of the Year. In the Song and Record of the Year categories, female appear on five of the eight nominated songs. And a couple of them are, you know, female-fronted artists in some of the major categories. But what seems to be, um, you know, racking across Twitter and other social media today is that two of the biggest names in music, period, no matter what kind of genre you're, you're talking about, Taylor Swift and Ariana Grande, both, um, you know, the biggest selling artists, pretty much in the top two or three every single year, were both snubbed from the major categories. In fact, Taylor Swift um, was uh, is going to be battling out in the pop uh, album category, but for album of the year, song of the year, record of the year, both are nowhere to be seen, which is a little bit of a surprise since the Grammy Awards love to celebrate not only the critical um, acclaimed albums of the year, but it's also a TV show, so they have to kind of you know, maybe give a little bit of, of props to the more popular artists. But this year, uh, they kind of snubbed two of them. Now, can that hurt the artists themselves? Or, hey, they've got the whole host of millions of fans. This is just one of those things. I think no matter what level you are in terms of success and fame and history, I think it kind of hurts a little bit. Um, it just all depends on how much you want to make a big deal out of it. The Carters, Jay-Z and Beyonce, were shut out of the major categories as well. They may not even show up this year. They've actually talked about boycotting the Grammys. Kanye West certainly, you know, look for his tweets sometime today or tomorrow. He was shut out of the categories, even though he didn't really have that well of a critical year when it came to the popularity of his EPs. He's certainly been out there with the production values and and working with other artists. He was shut out. So I, I think it all depends on who you are as a person. I think Taylor Swift will gladly take whatever comes her way. Uh, same thing with Ariana Grande, because both know that their fans will do the biting 
for them. You know, if you want to see what, what that's like, all you have to do is go on social media today and, uh, and, and you'll see the fans sticking up for their favorite artists. We are talking about the Grammy nominations. Eric Alper joining us on London Live, music commentator. Eric, then you've named off Jay-Z, Beyonce, Ariana Grande, Taylor Swift, Kanye West. If we're not seeing those names there, who are the names in the two big categories? Well, um, uh, Kendrick Lamar leads the way with seven nominations, including uh, a lot of them for the Black Panther soundtrack album, which kind of seems like a surprise for album of the year for a soundtrack, but there's been uh, Grammy nominees and awards in the past for album of the year with Oh Brother, Where Art Thou, for instance, and uh, The Sound of Music or West Side Story, certainly. So Kendrick Lamar is right up there. Lady Gaga has seven nominations, and Canada's own Drake is also having seven nominations. Both Lady Gaga and Drake aren't really in the major categories. They're kind of in their own categories, such as Drake in the in the rap categories and Lady Gaga in the pop one. But Kendrick Lamar is all over the map with this one for Album of the Year and Soundtrack of the Year, among his others. Eric Halper with us. Eric, what else stands out to you from the nominations before we let you go? Um, you know what? There's one name that we're going to be hearing a lot of if, if uh, people don't know, and her name is Brandy Carlisle. Um, a lot of critics deemed her album one of the best of the year, but didn't really set the world on fire when it came to sales. She's got a number of major nominations in all of the categories for not only her album, but her song, The Joke, which didn't really get a lot of airplay here in Canada, but mostly in the U.S. That's going to be a name that I think if there's ever going to be an uptick in terms of sales based on the Grammy Awards, I think it's going to be Brandy Carlisle all the way. All right, we'll look forward to it. Eric, thank you so much for all of this. No problem. Thanks so much for talking to me, Mike. Eric Halper, music commentator on the Grammy nomination. So as he says, there have been more females, although Taylor Swift and Ariana Grande shut out of the big categories. So those nominations come out today, and we'll wait for the awards to come out in the new year. 61st annual Grammys. Up next, we do have to try out these gift generators. We have, there's one that I want to try. One will just be your your run-of-the-mill gift generator, I'm hoping, uh, if you are stumped. And you know what? It seems like everybody is shopping today. Have you been out? If you go somewhere today, be ready to hold your elbows high. There, There's a lot of shopping going on today. We're going to go to coolstuff.com and check out their gift generator, and we have to check out Crapplematic. We'll do it on London Live next. It's Friday. This is Global News Radio 980 CFBL. In North America, we have been, let's face it, built on refugees, built on immigration. Without that, we do not see the populations that we have now. And that hasn't slowed down. If if we didn't have immigration in Canada, look at the numbers. Look at the declining birth rate that we have among naturalized Canadians. It's wild. We are not replacing ourselves. We are not having as many children. We need immigration. And then we look at the situation we have with refugees needing a place to come. And if you look into the future, and I mean far into the future, 
2040, 2050. If the scientists are right, we may have some places where a lot of people are living right now that become uninhabitable. So what do we do? That's an issue that needs to be dealt with. Instead of dealing with an issue like that, if we look south of the border right now, they're talking about birthright citizenship. And it's something that we're going to talk about because I don't think this is going to come to Canada. But if we look into the far future, is this a topic that could come up if all of a sudden we do see a lot of people who are applying for refugee status, who are trying to immigrate to Canada? Could this become an issue in the future? We're going to talk about what birthright citizenship is in about 15 minutes from now. And then we'll take a look at how it's playing out in the United States and what maybe some concerns are for this country. So that is coming up. We'll get serious for a little bit on a Friday. If you are out shopping and you want to buy a nice little gift for somebody and you cannot seem to come up with something, well, the Internet is your friend, right? There are gift generators like you wouldn't believe on the Internet. And we're going to try out a couple right now. One from here at Cool Stuff. Dot com. If you're looking for a gift that really you, you're buying for someone who you have no idea what to get them. Remember, we talked about gift exchanges the other day. We had some great ideas. James said, do a dinner. Get your family together. Spend some quality time. That's what a true gift is. But if you do have to buy something, if you have to buy something, then you have no idea what to get. Well, let's see how this works. Uh, we get to pick child, youth, or adult. Well, let's pick adult. We get to pick a price. Well, let's pick uh, 20 to $50. How about that? Does that sound good? And then you have to describe the person that you are buying for. So here are the descriptions you can use. Party dude. Why is that number one? Designer, globetrotter, geek, handyman, sporty, technical, hungry, Coolstuff.com, uh, animal lover and playful. I'm not even touching the playful one. Don't even ask me to do it. There are some things we're not allowed to say on the radio. There are some things we're not allowed to do on the radio. That's going to be one of them. I'm going to click technical handyman. How about that? Let's see what happens there. Oh, look, uh, look what the suggestions are. The original squatty potty, $40. Uh, we also have a towel dress. And the automatic stirrer. Coolstuff.com. I don't know if, if I'm in on any of these. Uh, let's switch away from that. Here's the one that I've wanted to try all morning and into the afternoon. It is crapomatic.com. When you have no idea what to get somebody, the amazing crapomatic gift generator will apparently help you out. Uh, unfortunately, I've just logged onto this website and it seems to have a Star Wars theme all of a sudden. Shouldn't it have a holiday theme? Why does it have a Star Wars theme? Okay, well, there's a handle you have to pull on this website, so why don't we pull it? Fun for the whole family! Jabba the Hutt baby leg warmers. Hold it again. Tatooine scented candle. So this Star Wars theme, this is actually happening on crapomatic.com. Jabba the Hutt baby leg warmers, and then I pulled it a second time and we got the... Tatooine scented candle, and I think it's the little green guy whose voice you heard there. Uh, Jab of the Hut baby leg warmers are $20.99. Hmm. 
And the Tatooine-scented candle, which says, Enjoy the calming scent of a desert wasteland. Who wouldn't want to do that? Is also $20.99. What do you want to bet if I pulled it again, we'd get something else that was $20.99. Okay, I had high hopes for the gift generator websites. The hopes have been dashed. I don't know. I I was thinking it, it would help. You describe the person. You put in their age range. You get some ideas, you get some prices, makes it easy because you can shop right there online. Instead, Jabba the Hutt, baby leg warmers, and whatever that other stuff was, the Squatty Potty original for $40. That seems to be a lot. Okay, back to the drawing board. Looks like we'll have to hold our elbows high, everybody, and hit the stores. What do you think, huh? Coming up, we have news with Jacqueline LaBelle. In the second hour of the show, we are going to talk about birthright citizenship. We are also going to look at something that a Western student appears to have started, and this is on the back of something that a Waterloo University student started. Don't you love when university students get going on things? Hey, we got some brilliant minds there. What's this one about? Well, there's one-ply toilet paper right now, and they're actually trying to get two-ply toilet paper. There are campaigns. We'll look at both of them. And we will also talk around the OHL with Jake Jeffrey. Remember, Jake and I have a podcast that you can hear each and every week. This week, we talk with Corey Stillman, the head coach of the Sudbury Wolves. We talk with Trevor Latowski, who is the head coach of the Windsor Spitfires. Talk with Alex Formanton. Ask him what it's like to play on Team Canada at the World Juniors. We'll talk about trade stuff. And you can find that actually right now, the latest episode at Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and wherever you happen to find your favorite shows. London Live is brought to you by our friends at Winmar, your restoration specialists. We have news on the way with Jacqueline LaBelle. We will have the latest on the story involving a human trafficking investigation done by London police. This is Global News Radio 980 CFPL. It's a fairly beautiful day in the neighborhood. It is starting to look a little snowy all over again. Didn't we get enough? I have to shovel, and I don't really have a great shovel. Thank you again for all the suggestions on where to go, what to do. I apologize that the uh, gift generators weren't more successful on London Live today. You may want to avoid gift generators, and I don't know, put some thought into it. I did get a link that was sent through by Sarah to Mike at 980cfpl.ca. She said, I happened to catch this earlier today, and it's something that I guess was done on the Today Show, and they gave the top eight gifts that you could buy. Today's show must be tied into certain companies, let's say, because all of these things seem to be available there. Uh, number one is hair dorables, which are collectible dolls. I guess if you have a small person who collects dolls on your list, sure. There's uh, Scruffaloves, the plush mystery rescue pet. Are these all kid things? Uh, Super Smash Brothers. No, actually here. Shoes, disruptors. Everybody apparently wants disruptors. We have uh, all birds wool runners. Who would wear? Isn't that an oxymoron? You want comfortable running shoes? Wool runners? Really? I could be out of touch. They're probably fantastic. Uh, the Tilbury Bar of Gold Highlighter Palette. I don't even know what that is. It has to do with makeup, it looks like. Instant Pot Blender. Now we're talking. Is this available in Canada? Is this what I think it is? No, no, no. Instant Pot, 
is a blender which can blend hot and cold. So you can make ice cream one minute, and then you can turn around and you can make soup, I guess. All all within minutes. It's a revolutionary blender, I suppose. And the Hey Sonos limited edition speaker. Okay. So those are the suggestions there. My suggestion, elbows high, wander around, eventually you'll find something. Or, James still had the best suggestion. Get the family together. Do something happy. Spend some time. Make a charitable donation. And give somebody something in their stocking that says, hey, made a charitable donation on your behalf. You know, unless it's unless you're a kid that's looking for a video game or looking for a pair of skis. I don't know. What do kids want these days? Skis even on the list? If you're fortunate enough to be in that spot, well, then, yeah, you've got to look after the kids. But after a while, this, this becomes too much. We're inundated. Look at how poorly the gift, gift generator went online and all that kind of stuff. So... Yeah, uh, elbows high if you're around the malls, or at the same time, let's let's look at some different things, because there are much more important things going on in our life, and we're about to talk about one of those, because there is a very interesting thing and very frightening thing happening in the United States. There's a lot of talk about getting rid of birthright citizenship. Now, in Canada... Birthright citizenship could be eliminated by amending or repealing parts of the Citizenship Act. Would that ever happen here? Let's talk with someone who has been looking at this and who can first explain to us exactly what birthright citizenship is. And then we can look at maybe the future for this. Because remember, we are dealing with large refugee populations. I don't think there's anything slowing that down in the near future. If anything, we might see more and more people seeking refugee status. And we look at immigration numbers. We need immigration. But when we're talking about new Canadians and we're looking at birthright citizenship, we do have some concerns here. And certainly, if we were to ever follow suit with what is happening south of the border, well, we would have some concerns as well. So let's talk about the topic. Professor Jamie Liu is an immigration lawyer and an associate professor at the Faculty of Law at the University of Ottawa. You can also read what Professor Liu does at evidencenetwork.ca. Professor Liu, thank you so much for being here today. Hi. Let's look Thanks at having me. Uh, well, let's look at birthright citizenship. And uh, first of all, we probably should define this. How do we define birthright citizenship? So basically what that means is that anybody who's born within Canada gets citizenship by virtue of being born within our border. So it's automatic citizenship. As long as you can prove that you have been born in Canada, you will have Canadian citizenship. So is this like we sometimes hear, hey, my child was born in the United States because we were living there at the time and they wind up with dual citizenship. Same sort of thing. That's right. Okay. Then if we are to look at that, that seems to be very clear cut. If you are born in a country and your parents may be from another country, uh, then you wind up with dual citizenship, perhaps. If you're born in a country, you have citizenship of that country. Where does the concern come in, Professor Liu? Um, There is a concern about a so-called problem called birth tourism. So some people feel that um, 
people who may not be Canadian citizens uh, come to Canada to for the purpose of having children within our borders so that they can have Canadian citizenship. Um, I should say that at the outset, you know, this has been characterized as a problem, um, and I understand that in certain regions of Canada, people are seeing, um, you know, some things that could indicate people um, engaging in tourism for this purpose. However, the number of people that could be said to be engaging in this kind of practice at most is 1.2% of births happening in English Canada. And even amongst that, that you know, that statistic, that number, um, you know, amongst those people are Canadian expatriates who come home from their foreign postings to have children and then go back to their foreign posting. It could be temporary foreign workers. It could be corporate transferees. For example, people who plan on making Canada a home and have been transferred by their work but have not yet acquired Canadian uh, status or residence. So there's a number of things about that statistic that really don't tell us a lot about the numbers. But having said that, even at best, you know, this doesn't indicate a business case for getting rid of birthright citizenship. We are talking right now with Professor Jamie Liu from the University of Ottawa, and we're talking about birthright citizenship in the United States. If they wanted to do it, it would be very difficult. In Canada, there is a way to do it, and recently we had a petition sponsored to eliminate birthright citizenship. What can you tell us about that? Yeah, so there are a number of uh, politicians in the B.C. region who feel that this is a problem in their region and have asked, for uh, greater attention to the problem. Um, And one of the solutions that has been thrown out there is to get rid of birthright citizenship. And I think this is, you know, a suggestion that is really an enormous hammer for a tiny, tiny nail. You know, it's an overbroad, arbitrary and, you know, problematic approach. Uh, And I should say that, you know, if we were to go down that path, It would not affect just migrants, but everybody in Canada. So Canadian citizens, if you are planning on having a child, you would then have to make an application to the citizenship registrar to ask for your child to be uh, granted citizenship. And so this is not, you know, something that would just affect migrants, but it would affect every Canadian who um, would expect that their child would be entitled to and deserving of citizenship. And this would cause a a lot of problems in terms of, you know, more resources, taxpayer dollars to process the citizenship process and application process. And I I suspect that a lot of people would fall through the cracks and not be able to get citizenship and therefore become stateless. Wow. And we'll talk about what becoming stateless means in a moment, because that's where we encounter some significant issues. But you're saying that, let's say we have two parents who either are Canadian or, you know, have Canadian citizenship because they've been here long enough to apply for it. They would have to apply for the citizenship of their own child, even though the child was being born in Canada? Yeah, essentially, if you get rid of birthright citizenship, every person who's born in Canada would not be a citizen, and you would have to apply for it. And I have done research in other parts of the world where this is a reality, and it is sometimes problematic to show that you are a citizen, especially if you are a child that is a ward of the state, if you are a child in a precarious family situation, if for whatever reason your parents do not want to cooperate because of marital breakdown or because the father doesn't believe he's the child 
child's parents. You know, there's all kinds of scenarios that I've seen where a child um, becomes stateless administratively because they are unable to prove that. And that's what birthright citizenship would lead to. It would lead to a lot of administrative headache and costs on both the part of the individual and the state. And it would be a social problem. We'd have a lot more stateless people to contend with. And when you are a stateless person, it sounds like you would have difficulty doing a lot of things. One thing that you can think about is the fact that healthcare is kind of provincially regulated. If they didn't know where you belonged, who would pay for your health care? Anybody who has you know, started a treatment in one province and moved to another knows there are some significant complications in figuring out who's going to continue to pay for that treatment between provinces. I'd hate to try and figure that out if, if you had nowhere to say, hey, this is me, this is where I'm from. Exactly. That is, you know, one, just one small problem. And, you know, that's a large problem on its own. But there are other problems. I mean, you could potentially be then um, identified by Canadian Border Services Agency as a foreigner and therefore subject to detention, arrest, and eventual removal to a country they think you should go to. You know, there's a whole host of difficult problems associated with being stateless. And so this is not you know, getting rid of birthright citizenship may seem like an easy solution, but it creates a whole host of other problems that people may not have imagined. And again, you mentioned this has been introduced simply because of something like birth tourism, which in parts of the country, you have people who will come to Canada to have their baby to try and provide that baby with all of the things that come with being Canadian. Should this be something that people are contacting their local members of parliament about? So, you know, I think that the assumption that if you have a baby in Canada, that this will allow a person kind of a gateway to get into Canada easily. I should say as an immigration lawyer, this is not something that I would advise anybody to do if you wanted to get status in Canada, because the simple fact is people who are children cannot sponsor their parents until they are no longer a minor. So it is a 25, 30 year endeavor if you want to use your child's citizenship to get into Canada. Um, and then if you are that child who wants to sponsor your parent, currently Canada has only allowed 5,000 to 10,000 people per year to be sponsored under that category. That is really not a lot of spots to um, garner from. And then thirdly, there's residency and other financial requirements to sponsor somebody. So not everybody will be able to sponsor a parent or a grandparent. And then those parents and grandparents will also have to undergo medical and criminal examination. So it's not a guaranteed process. And for people to think that this is an easy way for migrants to get into Canada, it, it really isn't. Um, I mean, the child obtains citizenship. And the other the other aspect I want to kind of point out is that you know, people are assuming that they're doing this and then leaving. Some people may be doing that, but, you know, you can't assume that because they're foreigners that they're not going to be eventually becoming members of our society, that they're not going to be contributing members. And there is a bit of a, you know, uh, an element of creating otherness with people and, and, and uh, a problematic narrative that goes along with this. There's a lot of assumptions being placed without any point evidence that's being pointed to other than the fact that some people may have foreign residences. Well, so do some Canadians. Let's face that. Yeah, exactly. We're talking with Professor Jamie Liu, an immigration lawyer and an associate professor at the Faculty of Law, the University of Ottawa. And Professor Liu, you even have some personal connection to this. You've, you have some personal experience. Yes, I do. So my father was born stateless because he was born in a country that did not have birthright citizenship. 
Um, and so that meant for my father growing up, he didn't have the same educational opportunities as other people. He had difficulty finding employment um, and eventually, um, you know, immigrated to Canada. But I, I know I recently dug into his history and I know that if my father had not had you know, not waited a few years before having me, and if, ha- if Canada had not had birthright citizenship, I could have been born stateless even in Canada at that time. So it's kind of funny to think about how his migration choices have really um, led to you know security and safety in the part of my own life. And I would say that you know conferring citizenship on stateless persons and welcoming people is the best way to build a nation, as you mentioned in your intro. We're a country built on immigration. We're constantly needing immigrants and welcoming immigrants, and we shouldn't be making it more difficult for migrants to be recognized as citizens, especially when they end up being contributing members of society. Well, Professor Liu, we really thank you for all of the information and for bringing this story to light. Now that you know we have it, now that we know about it, we can certainly watch it and, and hope that we don't get to a point where we've got a, a vote in the House of Commons that is dealing with this, because like you say, it can prevent or present a whole lot of problems. Exactly. Thank you so much for covering the story. Take care. Bye-bye. That is Professor Jamie Liu, immigration lawyer and associate professor at the Faculty of Law, University of Ottawa. So here's the issue in all of this, if you're just joining us, and here's why it is an issue. You have a liberal MP who has sponsored a petition to eliminate birthright citizenship. And this is kind of the easy fix. This is, this is taking that great big weapon, kind of driving a tank onto a lawn where you've got a bee's nest. And what we have is what is being termed birth tourism. So if you are born in Canada right now, you're a Canadian citizen. If you're born in the United States and you are Canadian or your parents are Canadian, you will have dual citizenship. That's been going on for a long, long time and vice versa. Birth tourism is somebody seeing, hmm, you know what, that place, that Canada place, that's a great place. Why don't we go there, have our child there? And our child will be Canadian. And as Professor Lou pointed out, some people will look at that and say, hey, that is the ticket for us to become Canadian when in actuality it isn't. So that's the issue that exists. And that's what this tank in front of a bee's nest would be trying to put out. And if it were to happen, you know, Professor Lou said it without having to say it. If we have more paperwork If you are parents and you're having a child, there's enough paperwork as it is to make sure you pick the name right and spell it right. And it's a stressful time. The mercurium and the diaper, the first change, it's very difficult stuff. And all of a sudden you've got to fill out all this paperwork. And now all of a sudden you have to fill out, here's an application for citizenship, not just a birth certificate. This is different. Can you imagine, given all of the things that go on, How many of these cases will be screwed up? Because no matter what it is, and this is not knocking the government, this is not knocking people who work for the government, it would happen no matter who is doing the job. Everything is great until when? Until humans get involved. That's right. Everything is great until humans get involved. Humans mess things up. It happens. And so if you had somebody who screwed something up, you could spend the first few years of your child's life trying to figure out how to ensure that they are going to get everything that they should be getting, like health care. That would be awful. That would be very, very difficult. 
And this is a tank trying to take out a bee's nest in all of this. Sean has sent an email saying, Mike, so often these conversations are debated in a vacuum. Once again, we ignore the process and the law. Birthright citizenship makes complete sense. If you are born here, you are Canadian. I'm certain the issue in the United States is the piggyback citizenships the international community assumes. Have a baby here, then you, your uncle, your aunt, your sister, your granny, and so forth will get citizenship. That is a problem. We should promote the process and advise against breaking immigration laws. That is is well said. Sean, thank you for that. We'll take a break. We'll come back with more on London Live in a moment. This is Global News Radio, 980 CFPL. Hey, here is a great story. You know the film Gone Girl? Sure you do. Um, how about Alex Cross? That's from the Dan Patterson book series. Turned into a movie. Um, the first original well the first remake of star trek the first remake of the original star trek star trek becomes very confusing the one that came out in 2009 all of those films have something in common tyler perry tyler perry made them tyler perry is really funny guy he's a filmmaker and he's a guy who's had a great deal of success in his life want to know what he did this week and he just released a video that kind of addressed what everybody's been doing he wanted to do this anonymously but as he says in the video nothing stays secret these days he went around atlanta and he went to two walmart locations and he asked how many layaways there were in other words you have people who want to buy something can't afford it so it goes on layaway that's more popular in the U.S., isn't it? Well, these two Walmart stores had $430,000 in layaways. So Tyler Perry went in and paid off all the layaways. So in other words, if you had gone in and purchased something and you didn't have the money to pay for it, so they're waiting for you to give them the money before they give you the product. I didn't even think this was, I don't even know it's done in Canada, but obviously it's done in the United States. We're going to have a lot of phone calls right now saying, yes, you can come in and pick up what you have purchased. What do you mean? I haven't paid for it. Yeah, you haven't, but Tyler Perry did. That's a nice story. And for this reason, I'm glad it did come out. He wanted to do it anonymously, and that's understandable. You do have a lot of people who have a lot of money who do a lot of great things and do it behind the scenes. That's how it should be, but every once in a while when you find out about it and you find out what they did, that's good stuff. Tyler Perry paying off $430,000 in layaways in Atlanta this week. We have news coming up with Jacqueline LaBelle. We'll have the latest on an investigation by London police that was carried out over a period of time into human trafficking. Well, why would London police be involved in human trafficking investigations? Just wait until you find out why. It's staggering. This is Global News Radio, 980 CFPL. Are you struggling with Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays? Should you say it? Should you not say it? Do you say it? Do you not say it? Well, PETA has jumped in on this. Have you seen this? They have said we need to stop using anti-animal language. At some point, we're just going to have to stop using language. Because it's very difficult not to offend somebody. 
I don't know if you saw the ridiculous story of the guys on Wall Street who said they didn't want to go out for dinner with females in a business capacity in a one-on-one or be alone with a female for fear that something they say would be misconstrued or for fear that they would have Are you kidding me? This is a belief? This is a thought process? Give me a break. And it just shows, you know, in that case, that's that's just insensitive. We talked about this last night with Alex Pearson and Drex on Alex Pearson show, which you can hear Monday to Friday. It's on point when the London Knights are not playing. And we were talking about this story, and Drex brought up a, a great point. He said that the only people who are concerned about that are the people concerned that they might do something wrong. Makes sense. But the amount of, uh uh-oh, we might offend, it's been talked about a lot in the last couple of weeks when that Cleveland radio station became the first one to ban Baby It's Cold Outside. Okay, well, how, how much further do we go? Do we ban Walking in a Winter Wonderland for words in there? Some of these songs were written a long time ago. You can't apply today's sensitivities to things in the past. You struggle with that. So now PETA has actually put out, stop using animal language. Here are their ideas. Instead of saying, kill two birds with one stone, does anybody say that anymore? If not, it's not a big deal. They say, feed two birds with one scone. Instead of saying, well, that's just beating a dead horse. You should say, oh, that's just feeding a dead horse. Uh, okay. Instead of bring home the bacon, they say, bring home the bagels. And instead of taking the bull by the horns, you take the flower by the thorns. I'll give it to them that they're creative, but I don't, I don't know that, first of all, anybody is saying any of those things anymore. No one is saying those things. So... Trying to figure out what you mean. It's like someone who says fiddle smurfs. Just don't say that or or don't, or just curse. Just say the regular word. Don't, don't make up a word. Ah, oh, sugar. Don't just snap your fingers and stay silent. It's not worth saying a different word. So this is their toss into the pile of we should be a certain way. That's coming from PETA. We'll take a break. Take it or leave it. You can, hey, if you start saying, bring home the bagels, all the power to you, then what they wanted to do worked. I thought I'd share it with you. Next up, we will share part of the Jakers dozen. We'll talk some OHL hockey. There's some good news. One of the longest tenured OHL coaches, I think he is the longest tenured OHL coach, Stan Butler, is coming back from medical leave. So that's good. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about a few things surrounding the London Knights. Knights take on the Kingston front next. Jake Jeffrey and his Jakers dozen on the way next on London Live on Global News Radio, 980 CFPL. We have London Knights hockey on the air for you tonight on Global News Radio 980 CFPL. 
Starts at 6.30. Jim Van Horn will have a few guests leading us up to 7 in the pregame show and then play-by-play just after 7.30. Knights and Kingston Frontenacs. The Knights go to Owen Sound tomorrow. People have been asking a lot of questions. The Knights have won 14 games in a row, so the question becomes, well, what's the longest winning streak in the OHL? You win 14 in a row, you've got to be getting close. I think the NBA record is 18. The NHL isn't much more than that. Yeah, 25. 25. The Knights aren't even in the neighborhood of their own franchise best. This is how lucky we are in London. 2012, the Knights won 24 games in a row. So, not quite there just yet, but you never know. One by one, which is the way they go. We are going to go one by one through a couple of Jakers dozen. Joining us right now in studio is Jake Jeffrey, who has had a long day, but is one of the hardest working guys around. Jake, how are things? Things are good. Another busy week in hockey coming up, so you yeah. know things are good. And a busy day for you. Uh, what time did you get in here this morning? It would have been just around 4 o'clock. Around 4 a.m. Yeah. Still going. Still charging <laughs> forward. And if you go to aroundtheohl.com, you can find Jake's Jaker's Dozen. And it creates all kinds of things for you to look at if you are an OHL fan. Remember, you can listen to the Around the OHL podcast that Jake and I do each and every week. You can find that at Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you get your favorite shows. Jake, on this week's Jaker's Dozen, where do you want to start? Well, let's start with the Knights. How about that? They have a game tonight against Kingston. I think back when the first win of their current King, with their current win streak was against the Frontenacs in Kingston. So it'll be nice if they can continue that here against the Frontenacs tonight. Obviously, uh, that win streak started before they got their captain, Evan Bouchard, back. But it's really taken a next level since he's been back. 11 games. He's a plus 20. I do a double take. I mean, he's in the top 10 of the league plus minus, and he's only played 11 games. That's only going to climb from here on out, I believe. You know what my favorite moment is about Evan Bouchard so far this year? It's not a goal he's scored. It's not an assist. It's not anything. It is a moment. I think they were playing the Peterborough Peets, if I'm right. I'm trying to think of who exactly it was. But there was a puck in behind the net. And it kicked off a leg, off a stick, and it popped out front. And there were two opposition players, kind of one on each side of Evan Bouchard, and the puck hit his foot. And that might as well be some kind of, you know, runaway lion. I mean, it's, you, don't, you don't want that stuff hitting your foot. What are you supposed to do? It would handcuff most people. It would freeze most people. He just kicked it to a stick, little head fake, carried the puck past those two guys, out of the zone. I think the Knights scored on the play. It was wild. It's one of those things. It, it seems like the game moves a lot slower for him than everyone else, but uh, that's that experience, and that's why he was a first-rounder, and he's a big reason why the Knights boast the best penalty kill in the league as well. They're at 91.1% and only allowed nine goals on over 100 opportunities. I look back through as far as the OHL stats go, it's just the mid-90s, and no team's ever finished a season above 90%, and or you know we're, we're now well into d- December, and they're still uh, well above 90% at 91.1, so that's one of the many impressive stats here for the Knights so far. I hope we go look up north to Sudbury. We had Corey Stillman on the podcast this week. Uh, it's a good one. We had Corey Stillman, Trevor Latowski, a whole bunch of people. So if you haven't listened to it yet, I suggest you do so. They're riding four straight wins and have a winning percentage of 667. 
looking back, it's been a while since they've had a winning percentage uh, above six, uh, above point six, and you're looking back to 99-2000 when they had uh, just shy of 40 wins. And so it's been a little while. It's nice to see a little bit of resurgence up there in Sudbury. And Corey Stillman pointed right to the goaltender. And if you're a Buffalo Sabres fan or have one on your shopping list, don't be shy about getting them Buffalo Sabres memorabilia. This used to be like getting somebody Tampa Bay Buccaneers orange memorabilia. Even in Tampa Bay, when you got that, the kids would pull it out of their stocking and say, Oh, did you get the receipt? Oh, yeah. Can you phone Santa? What's what's his address again? Is there a return for this? Because they didn't want it. And the Sabres have been kind of like that. But Uko Pekka Lukanen is the goalie for the Sudbury Wolves this year. He's a Sabres draft pick. And Corey Stillman points to him saying, hey, he gives the team confidence. He'll do that one day for the Sabres. So buy up that Sabres merchandise now. Uh, another note here, we'll stay up in northern Ontario. Great news in the North Bay this week. Uh, Stan Butler's been on medical leave uh, since pretty much the entire season. Well, he's back now. He's a general manager, head coach up there, so he's back to doing his general manager duties, and they're hoping to have him on the ice, uh, help him with practices and behind the bench here next in the near future. So that's great news there for Stan Butler. Also, Luke Burkhart's been cleared to play. Uh, he announced in the offseason he thought his career was going to be done, but uh, he's now been medically cleared, so uh, he's looking to make a return to the OHL as well. Do you like goals? Are you a big fan of, of goals? Yeah, I mean, that's goals what, are fun. Yeah, I think that's what most people like junior hockey, you tend to see a few more goals. Well, if you, you see the starting Sting playing on the calendar coming up, that's a good game to go to because there are a lot of goals in Sting games, both for and against. They're second in uh, goals for the 123. They're also second with most goals against, though, with 129. That's not the favorable side. They have the second most goals for uh, against, I mean. Um, looking back, they're averaging 8.4 goals per game in a Sarnia Sting games. They've been involved in 11 games so far this year where there was 10 or more goals. And only on two occasions have there been three or less goals. I mean, that's... Look back at their game against Flint, where there were how many goals in the first six minutes? Seven in the first six minutes. Seven goals in the first six minutes. Yeah, they had a stretch there uh, earlier this month where they played six straight games where there was at least uh, 10 or more goals scored by either team. So, I mean, not great for the defensive coach, and goaltenders don't love that stats too, but if you're looking to pad those stats for your draft year or what have you, uh, that's a good team to be a part of. So these are all things I kind of chat a little bit about in my uh, weekly Jakers Dozen. Fantastic. Well, you can find that at aroundtheohl.com. Again, you can find the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your favorite shows. We talked to Corey Stillman this week. We talk about the Michael DiPietro trade. We talk about Team Canada and the World Juniors. Get you set for a little bit of that. We'll have more World Junior talk coming up. Remember, camp begins on Monday if you're a World Junior fan. So all of the hopefuls wind up going to Victoria. Not bad. Hey, you want to try out for a team? Yeah. How about a trip to Victoria, B.C.? Okay. All right. Even if I don't have to try out for the team. Sure. I'm in. I'll go. That's where they will be come Monday. Jake, thank you very much for this. Thanks for having me, Mike. Jake Jeffrey with his Jaker's Dozen on London Live. To close out the show, remember we talked a while ago about elevators? Well, there's a story that has just come out. You can read it at 980cfpl.ca. There's a story that's just come out that will make you want to take the stairs. But at the same time, we spoke with somebody who said, you want to know a job that is going to last for a long time and pay you pretty well and it shouldn't really stress you out that much? Elevator safety inspector. Well, it looks like we may need a few more of those. We'll have the story next. This is London Live. You're listening to Global News Radio 980 CFPL. Unemployment figures came out earlier today. Look at London area. We're down again, 4.8%. Now, that always comes with the asterisk that says 
some people have stopped looking for work. But 4.8%, lowest mark since 1976. When we are talking about jobs, we rarely look in the right places anymore. Now, we've got a lot of people who are going to be losing their jobs at GM. We have heard the Ontario government already talk about retraining. One of the things that came up in a conversation on London Live a couple of months ago was one of the key jobs that is underserviced. You want to know what it is? Elevator safety tech. So somebody goes around inspecting elevators. Think about all of the elevators that exist. And with the way that we are pushing forward, what's happening in London, Ontario in the next few years? Well, we're building things. What are we building? High rises. They have elevators. Everything has elevators anymore. Big buildings, big cities. And in London, we've kind of stayed low on the horizon for a while. Now we're going to see more big buildings. We've seen a few in the last five years. Think about big cities. Think about Toronto. Think about Vancouver. Think about Montreal. Maybe not as much Montreal, but they still have big, big buildings. Well, you've got elevators. And if you saw it this week, the Auditor General came out with her report on things that are going on in the province. And one of the big slams was Ontario Elevator Companies saying that you've got a Canadian press investigation that was published in 2016. And I don't know whether it's continued on from this or whether they've just read this. I don't know. But they've said the percentage of elevators and escalators failing safety inspections has risen above 80%. Wait a minute. If there's a thing that you would rather have not fail, a safety inspection. You know, if if your stairs fail the safety inspection, if your doorways fail the safety inspection, if your floor... I don't want my elevator failing any kind of inspection whatsoever, especially one with the word safety in it. The high failure rate is a lack of maintenance work and safety testing. And so they poked around in that a little bit, and they started asking, well, why is this? Well, a lot of buildings will avoid shutting down elevators to have them fixed up or bring them up to standard because it's not practical. Well... Is there anybody using it at 3 in the morning? Could we do it then? Uh, Unless there's an immediate risk to public safety, it only affects the building's tenants, ends up benefiting the maintenance companies, as they often charge owners a higher rate for performing emergency repairs to bring the elevators back into service. And that line right there is what we were talking about a couple of months ago. We don't have enough elevator safety technicians. So if you were to go in and become one and get certified... You could go in and take on the big companies. You could go in and say, hey, what are you charging? You know what? I'm going to charge less, and I'm going to be busier than you. And that's the way you would try and do it. So sometimes when people are looking for work, you don't necessarily look in the right spot. Now, that again means you would have to, A, want to do that for a job, and B, you would have to go and get the appropriate training because it's not just, can I have an application? Yeah, Uh, I'm going to fill out this application here to become an elevator safety technician. Hmm. Okay, there you go. See you Monday. That's not the way it works. So there is some training certainly to go through, but if you're looking for it, a lot of times you ask the questions and you find where those jobs are and they can become awfully, awfully lucrative. We don't 
tend to to focus our attention in the right place. And that's something I think is starting to shift. You looked at the pleas that we had for tradespeople for years. I hope that that starts to balance out sometime in the very near future. But it's interesting to see that after that conversation that we had a couple of months ago, that this is something that winds its way into the Auditor General's report and could have you taking the stairs a little later on today. We are almost out of time on London Live. Again, we've got London Nights Hockey coming up tonight, and the Knights are going after their 15th consecutive victory. They have won 14 in a row. They are unbeaten in regulation now in 17 games. They are about to lose Evan Bouchard, Alex Formanton, and Liam Foody, who will be off to Team Canada's final selection camp. You have to imagine Adam Boquist is going to be playing for Sweden at some point at the World Juniors. So things become tough, but it's always unique to see what happens when your stars go away. And this is something you can look at in your own business, in your own family, whatever it happens to be. If you look around the room and those stars are not there, you know, you'd like to believe that you could leave your teenagers home and this would happen. I'm not guaranteeing. If you're going away this weekend and your teenagers are not coming with you, there's no guarantee this is what will happen. But in a business, this is what is going to show you who's going to shine. The stars go away. You look around the room and everybody says, well, they're not here. Guess I better step up. And that's what happens. And... That tends to be the thing that happens for teams like the London Knights at this time of year who lose a lot of players to the World Juniors. You look around the room and you give that big test. If everybody kind of says, oh, that guy's not here and that guy, guess I better do something. It works in reverse a lot of times when stars come back because those same people will look around the room and go, whew, they're back, good. They can take on the responsibility. But if you can avoid that, you wind up with some pretty great success. Coming up. We have news with Jacqueline LaBelle and Matthew Trevithick. They will have details on a police investigation that was carried out by London Police Services over a period of time, and it dealt with human trafficking in this area. And listen very closely. Sometimes when you're listening to numbers, it's hard to interpret them. Listen very closely to some of the numbers you are about to hear because they are staggering. And they're coming up next. Thanks to Matt McInnes for all of his help today. Do enjoy your weekend. London Live brought to you, as always, by our friends at Winmar, your restoration specialists. You're listening to Global News Radio 980 CFPL.